Welcome to another episode of Rap Theology. I am your host, Ebony Janice. I am your favorite rapper's favorite rapper. That's a fact. Deal with it. Today's lyric in my spirit is somebody, anybody, sing a black girl song. Bring her out to know herself, to know you, but sing her rhythms, struggle, hard times. Sing her song of life. She's been dead so long, closed in silence so long. She doesn't know the sound of her own voice, her infinite beauty. She's half notes scattered without rhythm, no tune. Sing her sighs. Sing the song of her possibilities. Sing a righteous gospel. Let her be born. Let her be born and handled warmly. This is a poem from For Color Girls who consider suicide when the rainbow was enough by Ntozake Shange. And yes, this entire episode is dedicated to the life and legacy of Ntozake Shange, who has largely impacted who it is that I am. And I'm just going to tell you a couple stories about Ntozake Shange um, and her work and the way that it has changed my life forever. Um, As you may know, Ntozake Shange transitioned and became an ancestor this weekend. And um, when I first heard this news, I felt sad because you're supposed to feel sad when somebody um, dies, right? And then I instantly thought about the fact that we don't mourn as those who have no hope. You know, we don't grieve like people who have no hope. We actually have a true system. We actually have a belief that there is something after this. Like, this is not our home. And um, this is not the eternal. Like, now in the eternal, Ntozake Shange as an ancestor is infinite. So the way that my life was impacted by her as a beloved in this life, in this form, I just imagine what will happen now that she is in the eternal as a spirit, as an ancestor, um, yeah, so I, so I look forward to that. So this episode is dedicated to Ntozake Shange. Y'all, I actually knew Ntozake Shange's voice before I even actually knew my own. And that is for real. When I was in, I believe, the third grade, there was a Different World episode that I probably have talked about on this episode of Rap the- on, on another episode of Rap Theology, because it's the episode where Whitley is dedicating Dorothy Height Hall and um, there's so they're doing this program and Kim. The, so there's there is Freddie. There's Kim is in this big, huge skirt and Freddie comes out from underneath the skirt. And she's like, yowza, yowza, yowza. Y'all don't know nothing about birth and no babies. And then she and she says, um, somebody, anybody sing a black girl song. She's kind of like doing this medley of black women literature, you know, uh, writers, um, things that they have said. And so that somebody, anybody sing a black girl song. I didn't know that that was Ntozake Shange when I was obviously, you know, I didn't know that was Ntozake Shange from Sandusky. Like I'm from Sandusky, Ohio, watching this episode of Different World, which literally is an entire different world. Who from where I come from? Yes, it is now. Hey, forgive me. I wish I could have seen my dance that I was doing when I was saying that. So yeah, so I didn't know who it was, but I knew that that somebody, anybody sing a black girl song was so huge to me because again, I'm a young black girl, very conscious of my blackness my entire life. There isn't a revelation of my blackness, very conscious of my blackness since I was a little girl, right? Like since I was a little bitty girl. And so third, third grade or so, Hearing those words, somebody, anybody sing a black girl song, I knew like, oh, there is a black girl experience. There's a collective black girl experience. And and somebody else wants somebody to be able to articulate like what this experience feels like in this body. 
And I say in this body because one of the things, like I said, there's no like one pivotal, like one moment that I knew like, oh, I'm having a different experience in this life than Carrie Dahlman, than Susan Smith, than Heidi Roth. But I do remember being very young and conscious of the fact that like my body was even shaped different than theirs. And I talk about, you know, some of that just in dealing with, you know, black women's um, body ownership as a justice issue, because even little black girls, right? Like you or or I, I say little black girls, but let's just say bodies in general. When the standard of the way that you make children's school desks does not keep in mind different bodies, that is ableist, that can be racist, that can be, I mean, there's so, there's so many different um, isms that can come along with that when literally manufacturers are creating school desks, you know, that don't have certain bodies in mind. And my body was a certain body. And so like uh, my, my white girlfriends could cross their legs underneath their desk and I never could. Cause I always had these drag star thighs. So, uh, so I just remember, but, but, and at the time, like it was just me with this body, you know, in this predominantly white space. Um, so, so I remember thinking as at a young age, hearing that somebody, anybody sing a black girl song, like that's a part of it. Like, wow, there is a collective black girl experience. And I wish somebody would articulate that. So when I say I knew Ntozake Shange's voice before I knew my own, so many of the words that have come out of my mouth have been inspired by black writers like Shange, period. It just, it's just so real. And also actually, you know, speaking of that episode, that is the episode where I was introduced to Nikki Giovanni and um, with her ego tripping, because at the end of that production, Kim does a, a her own performance of ego tripping by Nikki Giovanni. And um, so, yeah, black women's voices were very profound for me at that age in a way that they had never been before. Black women's writers voices have been, you know, were profound for me in a way that they had never been before because of the introduction of, you know, this kind of language from different world. Now, this makes me think about Alice Walker's definition of womanist. I talk about this part of the definition all the time. It's a four part definition. Google is your friend. But when I think about the part of uh, the definition of womanist where it says a daughter says to her mother, mama, I'm going to Canada and I'm taking several other slaves with me. And the mother says you wouldn't be the first. You wouldn't be the first is ultimately like I always pull that out because to me, there's like this intergenerational discussion that happens. And as a result of the daughter just saying something out loud, you know, mama, this is what I've been thinking about the mother was able to really clue her into what her legacy is to you know where she comes from to the commonality of her with her ancestors and her elders and so when I when I say that I knew Ntozake Shange's voice before I knew my own this is a very womanist why do I feel emotional like legitimately I felt something like make me want to cry but this is a legitimate you know reality for me that Ntozake Shange really was able to articulate something for me in the third grade that I I just didn't even have the language for so when I think about that definition, that part of the definition of womanism, it always is that for me. Like there's, there is mama, I'm going to Canada and mother saying you wouldn't be the first. And then just imagine, you know, we're left to our imagination to, to consider like what happened in that conversation afterwards. And so there, there is language that is given then that like, like I said, likely would not have existed if the daughter wouldn't have opened up her mouth and said something. And so if Ntozake Shange wouldn't have said somebody, anybody sing a black girl song, I don't know if Black Girl Mixtape would exist today. I don't know if my very first book of poems, um, Young Black Girl would exist. I don't I don't know if like this black girl, 
you know, experience if I would have been able to articulate it in, in the language that I've been able to articulate it in if it wasn't for Ntozake Shange. Another thing that is really major for me, so so I'm not like just talking about Ntozake Shange because she transitioned. This is a like because there's often, you know, a lot of public discourse and, you know, public grieving when we lose or when I don't say lose, I really feel like there's just a transition. So when when an elder transitions that has been, you know, an elder especially that has been very impactful in creating a lot of our grown woman theology and creating a lot of our language. And um, I'll come back to grown woman theology in a second. But Ndzake Shange has actually like her her work has actually changed my life, has actually given me language. And so when I was a freshman in college, um, I well, Actually, it's my at the end of my freshman year, going into my sophomore year of college. I I come from a background of academia. I was supposed to be a lawyer. Like there were great big plans for me, from my family, and I just actually went through this season of I don't see it for anything. I don't see it for these classes. I don't see it for this university. I was at the University of Cincinnati. I just didn't. I just didn't know what I was there for, and I I was very consciously searching for myself I was very consciously and and black people don't actually get that that freedom I don't I don't like if you're a a non-black person listening to this I need you to know that I need you to I need you to understand that black people don't traditionally like historically we don't get the freedom to go soul searching we don't get the freedom to try to figure it out we don't get the freedom to like you know leave our responsibilities and like go backpack and you know and just find ourselves we don't get that freedom and but that's where I was towards the end of my freshman year of college beginning of my sophomore year of college I really was in this place of like this ain't it I don't know what it is but this ain't it and um and so I I found uh for color girls for the first time for real for real now mind you think about that years earlier I already knew so much of the language from For Color Girls and had no clue that it was all this uh, production that existed, you know, that that happened years before I was born and will happen years after I'm gone. Um, and so so, yeah, I found For Color Girls. I read the whole thing and I decided to use the latent rapist poem to audition for um for the CCM, the Conservatory of some, some, something. Y'all know I'm talking about CCM at University of Cincinnati. Basically, I thought I wanted to do theater. I thought I wanted to act. I didn't actually. That That's not what God had called me to at that season. But, but for colored girls, even, you know, in that major transition in my life was huge for me. And I ended up leaving school. Actually, anyways, I ended up leaving the University of Cincinnati and um, transition or transferring to Miles College to do my junior year of college, which is my last year of school before I dropped out for seven years and didn't go back to school for seven years. Didn't think that I would ever go back. But Ndzake Shange's For Colored Girls was a major part of that transition as well, because because obviously right like this isn't the podcast for that but just think about the fact that I chose latent rapist to do my audition right like there was so much ooh, emotional emotions make you cry sometimes we're to h-town yeah just just thinking about all of the language that existed in for color girls that was absolutely speaking so much of it was speaking to my to my lived experience at the time. And uh and to Sake Shange, like I said, have been so special and so necessary in my language and in me being able to articulate um what I was going through and what I was going to. The the next thing that I will point out is when Ntozake Shange 
And for Color Girl says, I found God and I loved her. I loved her fiercely. And I remember hearing that long before I came to For Color Girls, long before that was a part of my uh, library. I had heard that so many times before. And my Christian demonic filter, and y'all know I've talked about the Christian demonic filter. It's basically this internal spiritual mechanism that causes us to be like, "Mm -mm, that's not expressly spelled out in the Bible. So that's demonic. And so I loved her fiercely. The idea of God in the feminine was demonic to me. Like it was, it was, or, or that's the way that I felt like I was supposed to articulate it. But something inside of me always felt like, hmm, I found God inside of myself and I loved her fiercely. I loved her fiercely. What would it look like for me to love God in me fiercely? What would it look like for me to um, deal with God's gender from a different perspective, particularly from this female, from this woman perspective? And yeah, all that always resonated with me. But my Christian demonic filter was always just kind of like, mm-mm, girl, uh-uh, girl, life is a funny thing. You can't be out here talking about you loved her fiercely, talking about God. But that also is just... Even in my in the transition in my life where I now have zero, I have negative 27 issues with a, a God that is identified as a woman. In fact, I feel like there's a whole rap theology episode where I talk about God as a black woman. If I haven't, when I edit this, I'm going to go back through and start writing some notes for that episode because, yeah, God as a black woman is just that just makes sense. Of course, I found God inside myself and loved her fiercely. And then the last thing that I'll share about Ntsake Shange um, profoundly create, you know, adding to my um, my grown woman theology. And I got and I got the phrase grown woman theology from um, Dr. Brittany Cooper's uh book eloquent rage but so grown woman theology for me though is really about how those of us particularly black women that grew up in the church or grew up in any kind of religious institution we had a certain set of uh, rules that we were supposed to abide by and um, when you get older hopefully you get some kind of revelation that that allows you to begin to shift from whatever it was that mama grandma did and said was the gospel truth and go on this journey of finding for yourself what the actual gospel truth is for you and that looks that could look different for many of us um but for me a part of my grown woman theology uh Ntozake Shange absolutely has poured into that and I think about the poem somebody almost walked off with all of my stuff somebody almost walked off with all my stuff and didn't care enough to send a note home saying I was late for my solo conversation or two sizes too small for my own tacky skirts what can anybody do with something of no value on an open market did you get a dime for my things hey man where are you going with all my stuff this is a woman's trip and i need my stuff Ooh, and i honest to god somebody almost ran off with all of my stuff and didn't bring anything but the kick and the sway of it the perfect ass for a man and none of it's theirs this is mine why need his own things that's my name now give me my stuff i see you high in my laugh and how i sit with my legs open sometimes to give my crotch some sunlight this is some delicate leg and whimsical kiss i gotta have to give to my choice so you can't have me unless i give me away and i was doing all that till you ran off on a good thing 
thing. And who is this you left me with? Some simple bitch with a bad attitude. I want my things. I want my arm with the hot iron scar. I want my leg with the flea bite. Yeah, I want my things. I want my callous feet and quick language back in my mouth. I want my own things. How I love them. Somebody almost ran off with all of my stuff. And I was standing there looking at myself the whole time. It wasn't a spirit that ran off with my stuff. It was a man whose ego walked round like rodent shadow. It was a man faster than my innocence. It was a lover I made too much room for. Almost ran off with all of my stuff. And the one running with it don't know he got it. I'm shouting, this is mine. And he don't even know he got it. My stuff is the anonymous ripped off treasure of the year. Did you know somebody almost got away with me? Me in a plastic bag under his arm. Me, Juanita Sims. Somebody almost walked off with all of my stuff. Woo. Y'all, that poem, the first time I read it, and then the first time I heard it, and then the first time I read it again, literally articulating the language of my soul. And Tazake Shange gave us that. Gave us the ability to to say what it was that was happening with us. You got like you got my stuff. <laughs> like like I I'm in this relationship and literally about to sacrifice myself at the altar for you. Like literally going to lose myself for you. And I see me. I see me tucked in a bag underneath your arms and you running away and you ain't even got sense enough to stop and check to see that you got my stuff. Ciao strumming my pain with her fingers singing my life with her song yeah Ntozake Shange has been such a driving force in my life giving me the language to be able to better articulate my grown woman theology and we are better because of her imagine that this person who gave us all of this who created all of this who who has helped us to establish ourselves in such large ways. Imagine her in the eternal with the rest of the ancestors and our elders who have been guiding us forever, watching out for us, protecting us, giving us the words to say. She is limitless now as an ancestor. And I just hope for even a portion of the dispensation of her talent. If if that is a part of anybody's cosmology, if that is a part of anybody's theology, that the ancestors, that we get their wisdom, that we get their talent, that we get their knowing, that we get their seeing, that they really do guide us in some way. I, I just speak to that right now, that we would, that we are better because we knew her through her work and we're even better now with her as an ancestor somehow I believe that I just believe that somehow the the limitless infinite of the eternal makes her capacity even larger and we did not lose her we gained her Whew. so yeah that is what I came to say happy Christmas day yeah y'all 
The cipher question, that transition wasn't even smooth, but let me just go on ahead and move on. The cipher question was, what was a song, a poem, a scripture, or a quote that always shifts your mood? And I will share my favorite ones with y'all because it's such an amalgamation amalgamation of like just randomness. And surprise me because I thought that I was going to get like a whole bunch of super deep stuff and I didn't get any super deep. I got Me by Tamia. I got um, Andrew Day's Rise Up. I got D-Ree's poem from Broken, uh, poem Broken from the movie Pariah, which I thought was a dope reference. I got Paper Chaser by Juvenile, <laughs> which I get. Yeah, Paper Chaser gets me hyped too. I got Nice for What by Drake and and I got um, someone said, um, be not weary and well-doing for in due season you'll f- a reap a harvest if you faint not. I got that from someone as well. So those I just wanted to share those as, as a part of the cipher responses, as the cipher question responses, because I know that y'all know that I'm a strategy girl. And sometimes when you need um, to be able to shift your mood and to just be able to vibrate higher, you need to have something on deck. So hopefully either one of those poems, scriptures or songs could be something that you can grab hold to the next time you're going through something. The self-care share for today is seriously, this is this is for real, for real, my self-care share for today. Get really pretty today and dress up, put some makeup on, or if you feel like you're most beautiful with, you know, no makeup on, whatever, just get pretty, get dolled up, get, you know, your freshest self and take a selfie. That really is my self-care share for today. I believe in self selfies for self-love. I believe that selfies are self act of self-care and act of self-love because it gives you the opportunity to just stare at yourself, to see yourself and, and like legitimately hashtag this is what I look like for real and and say kind things to yourself once you take your selfie. Just be like happy with your nose and happy with your mouth and happy with your eyes and that may seem real, you know, okay, Ebony Janice, that's, you know, whatever, but literally I share that because so often when I am feeling at my lowest my self-care is to be kind to myself and sometimes the way that I need to be kind to myself is to go get dolled up and look cute because maybe I've been walking around looking ashy or something yeah just get cute take a picture and remind yourself sometimes you gotta remind yourself huh that's what the bible says the bible doesn't say that jay-z said that Y'all, that's the end of this episode of Rap Theology. If you would like to support my work, actually, this month is so dope. I am recording this going into November of 2018 for those who are listening, you know, maybe delayed. But my Patreon for November of 2018, I am personal professor, which is a two-part lecture that I do in my Patreon and for my patrons that are subscribed, you get these like, you know, lectures, these mini classes. And I'm talking about black women's body ownership as a justice issue. But of course, I'm talking about it from the hip hop womanist perspective. So there's so much dopeness happening this month. Seriously, like I already outlined my lectures and I'm just excited for y'all to get access to it. If you're already a patron, if you're not, you can do so at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Ebony Janice, E-B-O-N-Y-J-A-N-I-C-E. Yeah, you can 
um, subscribe at any giving giving level. And there are many incentives, like so many really dope incentives. And there's also a discount code till um, for the next week or so for a major discount off of my introduction to the African Spirit Religions and Beyonce's Lemonade class that I'll be teaching through BGM Institute at the beginning of December. That class launches for a limited time only non-persons of color have access to that class and that is not normal because BGM Institute is a person of color centered school and generally non-POC only have access to special webinars and workshops so yeah Patreon is a dope opportunity for you to um, learn with me um, in a deeper way but additionally it's a dope opportunity for you to be able to support my work because you're giving your subscription is giving to Again, like I said, me being able to continue to do this work in a in a free or close to free manner. Um, yeah, so thank y'all for your support. Do not ever forget that I am your favorite rapper's favorite rapper. And you should be telling people about rap theology. Like, 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 seriously, you should be telling people about your favorite rapper's favorite rapper. That just makes sense. Peace, y'all.